0: Ruth Ben-Ghiat is a professor of history and Italian studies at New York University and the author of a new book called Strong Men, Mussolini to the Present. She is an expert on authoritarianism and looks at these leaders, and there are many of them, who have acquired this enormous power and become very dangerous in our world and, well, we all know – uh, the history with many of them and how it played out. The question is, how is it going to play out with Donald Trump, who has lost the election, but is still not conceding uh, this election? And of course, where does he go from here? Uh, Ruth ben ghiat welcome to the program. Thank you. So you connect the dots uh, in this book from Mussolini to Putin, uh, through many others as well, uh, looking at uh, different points in time and different stages of uh, you know, the growth of, of uh, authoritarians uh, and strongmen uh, in our world over the last hundred years. And uh, at this moment, we're witnessing Trump uh, refusing to relinquish power, even though the election results were clear. And you wrote in the Washington Post about how authoritarians view loss of power as a kind of psychological annihilation. So tell us more about your observations of Trump and his response to losing and and how that compares with some of these
1: others. Sure. Um, First of all, I've never thought that Trump uh, is governing according to a normal democratic frame of reference. He's used this authoritarian playbook, in my opinion, and his personality, unfortunately for us, is. His personality and his temperament uh, checks all the boxes of all the leaders that I've studied. The outcomes are different than in the fascist years or military coups, but his instincts and the way he treats those around him and what he'd like to do is exactly the same. So he, I don't see him as ever having been in office to govern according to uh, a democratic standards. He's been in office to make money for Trump Organization, to build his personality cult, And to stay in office as long as possible. And the way that these men um, organize their government, it's so that these goals can be met. And so they surround themselves not with professionals, with experts who can give them the best policy and give them critical feedback, but they surround themselves with flatterers and sycophants and people who will only tell them the reality they want to hear. And this is very counterproductive in the long run. And this is why they most of them end up badly. And uh, in fact, Donald Trump did not win the election. But it also means they're not capable of, uh, they, they don't go quietly. <laughs> they're not capable of foreseeing a future without them having this kind of hold over people. So this is the most dangerous time when they feel that their power is threatened.
0: And... You do uh, look at, as I said, and and you just uh, alluded to it, um, the different periods of time and the different kinds of authoritarians, the fascist takeovers, the military coups, uh, and then what you call the new authoritarian ascents, and look at what they uh, have in common. And one thing you focus in on uh, is this idea that is discussed about these leaders as having uh, this enormous charisma uh, and and uh, cult of personality. But you challenge that a little bit by saying that's actually something that doesn't make them so secure because they're only as good as what they're following believes at any given moment. Uh, and so uh, it's not like they really have this major hold, and and that's what they're always struggling for.
1: Yeah, I think that's a really good uh, statement of partly why they're so insecure, and they work hard to have their charisma. You know, Trump is, like, like many of them, uh, Trump is a man who understands the media, and a large percentage of these guys um, either had a past as journalist. like Mobutu was a journalist, Mussolini was a journalist. And Hitler um, practiced his and developed his charisma very carefully, um, in part watching Mussolini, and I have a whole thing about their tormented bromance. Um, but Hitler took hypnotism lessons, he took voice lessons, he practiced his gestures in front of the mirror in the 1920s before he came to power, and so they know very well that they're only as good as their audience will let them be. And they become, uh, they have this maniacal ego needs for constant adulation. And so, so they need their, I have a sentence in the book, they need their crowds uh, more than the crowds need them. And in fact, a lot of times, what we, even today, we see their propaganda of cheering crowds, and we don't know that these people have been forced to be there, uh, some of them. You know, because if you didn't show up for the leaders' rally, you could lose your job um, or worse. So I'm trying to kind of engage critically with these concepts about like their their charisma and their powerfulness and their efficiency because I felt that it was time to do that, given how many of them are around today.
0: and And yet, they take hold within a culture. And something remains, uh, even when they're gone. And that's what we're thinking about right now with Donald Trump. He did get... Uh, 70 million people to vote for him, uh, even though we all thought that maybe he'd be less popular. Joe Biden got many more people who stood up and said, no, we can't take this. No, we can't have this, and made history. But nonetheless, Donald Trump is still there. We don't know what's going to happen in the next few weeks. And then after that, uh, he's, we've even seen rumbles of he might run again. And I was struck by your... Um, your own career, uh, how you, um, you know, became very interested in covering uh, authoritarians. And then you uh, had a full bright scholar that brought you to Rome. And mm-hmm. uh, it was the years of Silvio Berlusconi. And it was, it was kind of, you know, drawing on the same things that Mussolini did within the Italian culture. And you said you would hear chants of uh, Viva il Duce or, or, or Heil Hitler in the streets of Rome at that time.
1: Yeah, this was very formative for me, because I I grew up in... I didn't have any family connection. I'm very fortunate that way to um, uh, any regime, although my parents are immigrants. uh, There was no family uh, history of of persecution. Uh, But I grew up in a place in California where a lot of exiles from Nazism had been. And so they were kind of... This idea that people had... There's a lot in the book about the pain of having to leave your country and family separations um, from exile. And and then I went to Rome, and it was just when Silvio Berlusconi was bringing the far right into government. He was the first leader to, to mainstream the extremes. The, uh, he brought neo-fascists into the government. And I had been in Italy many times before, but all of a sudden the climate changed, um, and it was a totally different feeling, and people would openly feel they could talk, you know, nice say nice things about Mussolini, and some people felt very liberated. So I had that experience, and it it kind of got me interested in the memory of fascism. And then when Donald Trump came to power, here we are, 2016, and I was writing for CNN a lot, and I was kind of covering the campaign for CNN Opinion, and I felt the same thing. I felt the same sense of dread, the same sense that history was changing, and so I started to track it very carefully from the rallies with the loyalty oaths to the talk about draining the swamps because Mussolini had, dra- had called for draining the swamps. And that's how this book got started, um, was to, to understand where America is fitting within this long history of a liberal rule.
0: The book is Strong Men, Mussolini to the Present. Uh, Ruth ben is the author uh, and my guest. And I guess I, I, I went to that because we're in this moment where, where does Donald Trump go from here? Um, and, you know, when we see Berlusconi coming back and drawing upon those same elements, when we see in Germany a constant struggle uh, with neo-Nazis and the far right, when we see all across Europe this this same uh, battle and the same allure by groups of people where, uh, you know, elections are fraud and people are worried that the right can take power. It's something we have to be very worried about for the future as well.
1: Yeah. And and when, when these men come, when they come to power, they're like an, uh, a volcano or an earthquake, and they don't really leave anything the same after them. And Every people who's had them has had to face some hard truths, and and sometimes it were places like in Chile before the coup of Pinochet. Uh, they said it can't happen here because all around them there were all these military junta's happening, and but they were a democracy, and then it happened to them. And the United States, for its particular history, um, you know, a lot of those coups abroad were. Supported by the states, but we haven't had any experience we haven't been had a foreign occupation. we haven't had a dictatorship, so we were in a way less prepared to see the signs of what was happening and so it's it's been quite an education uh, to uh, to have people um and they have this is why people have protested. you know there's been a whole revitalization of politics, and people have seen that. Uh, Certain rights they took for granted are perhaps more fragile than they thought. And so this, too, is part of um, what happens when these men come to power. But, you know, when people say Trump is incompetent or lazy, I don't think that's very useful because, as you were saying, he has built an incredible personality cult. Seventy million more than that voted for him despite his mismanagement of the pandemic and continuing economic hardship. And this is something that we need to face rather than dismiss. He's been highly successful at certain things that he wanted to do. Um, and and so until we you know interrogate ourselves, until we think about why that was uh, in our country too, we're not going to be able to protect our democracy in the future, I believe.
0: You look at the duplicity of these authoritarian rulers and... Their promise of law and order rule. This is something that is consistent throughout, and it's very attractive to a lot of people uh, at different points in time. And then, of course, um, they legitimize lawless behavior themselves, financial, uh, sexual, other predatory behavior. It's a common theme that happens in these regimes.
1: It, it is and it, it's very um I'm an optimist by nature, although I write about um, you know people uh, being their worst, and authoritarians are leaders who bring out the worst in people, and for every person who wants to follow orders and believes that they will bring more more law and order, more stability for business there's another person who actually is very um, energized and thrilled by this ruler who breaks the rules. And this is why um, plenty of people have written about propaganda and corruption and the violence of authoritarianism. But I put machismo, um, like macho lawlessness, up there as a rule. I have a chapter on it. We talk about their sex lives, which is not just lurid gossip, but how they kind of use the mechanisms of, of the state, secret police, to get their lovers and, and all of this. But this, this idea that the leader can do what he wants um, and get away with it is very attractive uh, to many people who serve him. Um, and and, you know, and this, is, this is part of why these regimes, uh, how they get people to do their bidding. So it's not all about following orders. Sometimes it's exactly about being able to throw the rule book away.
0: Yeah and I, and I thought that that was such an important um, y- 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 such an important connection uh, among them and something for us to focus in on, because we think the more we expose um, the lawlessness and expose what Donald Trump does, it will convince these people, or well, just one next thing will finally mm-hmm. make them turn, but in fact, they admire it.
1: They do, and this is this is we could call it the Teflon ruler. And a precedent for this is Berlusconi, who ruled in a democracy. He damaged the democracy terribly, but he never got rid of democracy. So he's a very good precedent. And he had every type of scandal possible. Um, he, you know, he had endless corruption scandals. He was under investigation when he came into power, which is familiar to uh, others. And he had sex scandals, and the thing that drove him out of office was not any of that, but the eurozone crisis. <laughs> and uh, indeed, he was uh, then he was un- you know he was kind of indicted for his uh, having sex parties with underage girls. So he couldn't run for office after that. But in 2013, two years after he was forced out, they had elections, and his party almost won again. This is, so so and he continued to have a very big hold. His personality cult didn't go away um, after he was disgraced because some people uh, admired him for this, um, no matter what he did. And and so this this is why we can never dismiss uh, the success that these men have in getting people to um, to look up to them, for, even for reasons that we personally might might find reprehensible and we don't understand why now there's this fact this fact will do it this fact will convince people that he really you know is a charlatan but there's never a fact that does it it seems like there's no bottom that's what people often say about these people there's no bottom
0: and you talked about that chapter you wrote in on you 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 focused in on the masculinity and the use of it um, as a symbol of strength and this political weapon. We see Putin, you know, with his shirt off or other demonstrations of bravado. Uh, we've seen all of them do it and admiring each other for it. Uh, and, mm. and Trump connects on that, right? Uh, and, and of course, um, that sort of, uh, you know, being um, the man who is sexually voracious and and sort of you know again the things that we see as horrific about Donald Trump in terms of his sexual um, uh, assaults um, other people other men might actually connect with
1: absolutely and this this is the case uh, with all of them and what I conclude uh, about them is I don't use the word hoarders for them but they're 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 men who are Obsessed with possessing everything, everyone and everything they want to possess our attention twenty four seven and all of them are very skilled with the media um, and they and the ones the most successful have a direct channel of communication with the people so they can monopolize our attention and so Mussolini had newsreels and Hitler had radio and Trump has Twitter right, but they mm-hmm. also um, want to you know they want to possess um, our, our bodies sometimes, right? And there's this kind of endless appetite for um, bodies to be subservient to them. And obviously it works out in the fascist period. This works out very differently because they have, they're expansionist and they're having, you know, women have to go have babies and produce soldiers. But the impulse of the leader is the same, although the outcome is different today, Um and they often have kind of pipelines to provide them with women. So Berlusconi used his TV shows and beauty pageants to find women for his sex parties. And Donald Trump, before he came into office, had a similar system of recruiting women and you know having women around all the time. Um, in his case, it, it, when he came into office, it wasn't continuing. He sold his modeling agency. But it was continuing right up to the time mm-hmm. when he took office. So this tells us a lot about the glamour that these men surround them, themselves with, um, and a reason they're admired by many wi- men and by many women.
0: Mhm. We only have a a, a minute and a half or so, but I I wanted to just zero in on this. Um, Obviously, with Mussolini and Hitler, it took wars uh, to bring them down. Uh, You focused on how Berlusconi didn't destroy democracy. So there is a way to move on from them, and we're doing that here. But some people would say Italy has not been stable since then, and there's that fear constantly of the right taking over. Uh, and And some people say this country is really shaken and, and and it'll be hard. just I know it's only a minute, but your thoughts on on what we can do and 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 what's the best positive outcome
1: so assuming that Biden does come into office in January, I think uh the kind of calmness and decency and not uh being uh, overblown his tone has been very important for healing. But I think that uh, building bridges is going to be very important because the country is divided, and uh, you know Pete Buttigieg goes on Fox News almost every day and, and tries to connect with those viewers, um, and that's not for everyone. But uh, the more we can do to decrease polarization and having a, a president who's who's actively doing that, that that should be on his agenda, that will help because within all these Trump voters, there, there are likely people who never really liked him and were just swayed by the rhetoric that if he got in, there was going to be socialism and no more borders. Uh, and, and perhaps Mm -hmm. when Biden, you know, governs for a while, uh, they will come round.
0: Well, I I would love to, um, speak with you further about this. And and you said if Biden takes place, so there's still the possibility that Trump will pull something. And we haven't even talked about what he's been doing with the military and whatnot. Um, I'd love to have you back uh, and and speak more about it. And congratulations on the book. Uh, Really appreciated talking to you about
1: it. Thank you. I've enjoyed it. I'd love to come on again.
0: Uh, Ruth Ben-Ghiat is the author of Strong Men, Mussolini to the Present. You can follow her at Ruth Ben-Ghiat. It's G-H-I-A-T, Ruth Ben-Ghiat on Twitter. We're back in a couple of minutes. The Michelangelo Signorelli Show on Sirius XM.